Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day that your will be done, O God, on earth, in and through us, as it's being done and declared in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We are yours, your witnesses, your servants, your sons and daughters, your contact points on earth for the will and purposes of God to be done and accomplished. Father, I pray that those who are yours will not grow weary in well-doing. They will not be overcome with the battle. They will be not distracted with issues, uh, mental, emotional, health issues, relational issues, that they will stay uh, hidden in your peace. You said you shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. Let us not be distracted by the the, uh, wickedness of the wicked one, Father God, in Jesus' name. And I thank you for divine protection. Let no weapon formed against us, no words forged against us, uh, no accusations, no claims will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach because you are our defender, you are our protector, you are the one who keeps us safe. So, Father, open our eyes to understand the power of your word in Jesus' name and the power of your love to bring us to healing. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are talking more about anxiety, yeah, anxiety. Um, and overcoming anxiety. You know, we, we live in a very anxious world a fearful world. There's so many things mm-hmm. going on. I mean, uh, all you have to do is open your open your computer. Um, yeah, it's almost Check your too phone, much. look at the TV. Tragedy after tragedy, horrendous. Lie after, after lie. Injustice after this guy, injustice. It's almost like you have to make a decision how much, just how much of this Can pollution, poison, are you going to yeah. drink or take into your system? Yeah, but But anxiety, though it's all around us and it provokes... Uh, apprehension, fear, uh, worry, even kind of internally and, and subconsciously all these things are affecting us because we know there's not love out there, there's not peace out there, there's not good goodwill out there, there's not grace out there. But the first place we have to resolve the issues of fear and anxiety is within us because if we don't, what happens is we become, we become very sick, physically sick. Well, there, there are so many scriptures that tell us not to fear. Yeah, you know, fear Sounds not. Like a command. Do not be afraid. You yeah. know, it, it, Psalm thirty-seven, one, for example, do not fret because mm-hmm. of evildoers, mm-hmm. nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. You know, and 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 then verse seven, it says, "Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret mm-hmm. because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass." Oh boy, do we have? You know, we got well, all these there's, there's wicked a, schemes. Yeah, there's a million things wicked you could fret schemes. about, isn't there? No, right, right. Not only in the in the political realm, even in the religious realm, but in 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 families and relationships and yes. in in uh, work environments and so forth. So, so speaking about relationships, you know where the root of fear and sickness actually the the key to health and healing is to know that you're loved. Uh, truth sets us free. Love heals us. Because when you know that you're loved, then you're not in a place of separation with that person or with yourself. You're actually in a place of, of support, encouragement, uh, blessing. And so when we have this uh, in this world where people are being torn apart, uh, set up in opposition to each other, where the, the demons are practicing all kinds of divisive means to tear us apart from loved ones, from family, from ourselves... Um, through witchcraft, through injustices, through manipulation, through lies, deceit, threats, uh, uh, blackmail, uh, bullying. All of these things are designed by the world system to separate us from the love of God, the love of, of from one another, or even from ourselves. So in, in again, in Scripture, we go back to the Scripture. Um, it says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, um, that there there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts yeah. out fear. Actually, verse 18. Oh, I'm sorry, 18, sorry. Yes. But perfect love casts out fear. But fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're still being anxious and tormented, then you're not perfect in love. Well, how does how do we know? What does that mean? What does that look like to be perfect, be made perfect in love? Because if we're not perfect, it means to be loved perfectly, to know that you are loved perfectly, that you are uh, not uh, loved conditionally. 
that you're not loved in part. You're not loved based on your abilities or your performance, but you're loved simply because of who you are and because God is love. It is knowing this kind of love that casts out fear. But th- that that's, it takes a revelation of that. I mean, you, you can just tell somebody, you know, mm-hmm. I love you mm-hmm. or you're loved and you're special, and they maybe just they don't believe it. Internally, they, they don't accept that. Um, what what is the key? It, it seems to me that there needs to be a, a revelation of the love of God. I mean, you could say, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. That's how the love of God is manifested. So mm-hmm. we get that, and we can mm-hmm. just see that as just well. We 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 are taught, but how does it get to be uh-huh. right in our hearts? Well, yeah, by, in our by, inner okay. being, knowing that we are loved. Well, it's it's a very simple. How how does a, how does a mother love her child? Is it something you, you are taught, something you go to school to learn how to do? It, how does the child receive that love because there's some rules that they have to uh, abide by? No, this kind of love is just a natural, um, unconditional, uh, uncomplicated thing. But Satan has made the love of God, for example, as we have been taught it in the world, to be the result of God's going to love you if, and the, uh, if comes after. If, do. if at the end of a lot of complicated uh, procedures, uh, rules, commandments, rituals. And so people are always then vulnerable by the devil's fear in your heart to, well, I didn't do that right, or I did that wrong, or God's still mad at me. Or, Satan is trying to make God's love for you very conditional, and this makes us very frustrated because we know we're not perfect. We know we're tempted. We know that we're weak, and we can't please. And That is not who God is. God is not asking us to be perfect, before he can love us, he's asking us to just simply know that he loves us and love him back, and and he'll take care of the flaws and the foibles. So it says there is no fear in love. So no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. So if there's still fear, you'll know that by the fact that there's still torment going on inside of your mind. Um, he that fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're still being under the, the control of anxiety, fear, the oh no's, the what ifs of life, you're not resting in the in the in the in the knowing that God is with you. God has got this. You're not alone. You're not forsaken. Because I think one of the biggest problems with anxiety is the separation from God, the separation from others, the the break. The, there's a lot of pain in separation, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we we're kind of looking at Philippians chapter four as kind of the anti-anxiety chapter. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, it, and one of the things it brings out about there in uh, verse 2, it says, I entreat, and this is from the Amplified Bible, I entreat and advise Iodia and um, entreat and advise Syntyche. These are two ladies in the church to agree and work in harmony in the Lord. I mean, that there that has a lot to do. It's like a harmony with the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, in a harmony with, with one another, mm-hmm. that really is a tremendous mm-hmm. reducer or even eliminator of anxiety mm-hmm. when right. there is a oneness of heart. Um, you know, it, it says in uh, Amos chapter, uh, trying to think, Amos chapter 3, 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Mm-hmm. And so, but what we have so much of the, is disagreement. And division. Division, distraction, animosity, animosity mm-hmm, unforgiveness, bitterness. bitterness mm-hmm. All that are, adds th- to Those are all schemes. Those are all spirits. Anxiety. Those are scheming spirits that come to set us up in opposition, the Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 2, 24. Uh, set us up in opposition to ourselves. Jesus talked about the stronger man who comes to divide the house. To divide the house, to break us in half... It set us up in opposition to ourselves, and this is kind of where the first battle begins: is between the mind, uh, mind and the, the soul, and the spirit, because the the soul is programmed by the body of death, and the spirit is pro- programmed by the by by God, and so there's this battle going on to bring this divi- division. But I think we have to understand the dynamics of spiritual warfare, so we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, because what ultimately happens when you live in anxiety and live in fear whether it's because you watch the news too much or you don't know that you're loved by God or, or whatever, it sets up in, in within your physical body certain chemical reactions, certain emotional reactions that actually these the spirit of fear then opens the door to physical problems, diseases, mental illness um, because of that torment. The torment is what? What is torment? That means you're being tortured, torment, pulled 
tormented between two things. Um, and you, you don't know what to do. You, you're trying to go with your feelings. You feel one way, but you know God's truth over here. And so you're on that torture rack of torment. Yeah. It, it's uh, the the torment, torment that comes through the these relationships. I think I was thinking in, in Genesis when uh, Adam and Eve sinned, right? Mm-hmm. So after they sinned, what happened? God comes along to them. He says, Adam, where are you? And... Um, because they had been well, separated. Well, it wasn't that God didn't know where they were. Yeah. But he says he, he's asking the question, "Where are you in your life, in your situation mm-hmm, right now?" Mm-hmm. And and they went and hid from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does he say? Uh, Adam says, "Did you have you eaten the fruit?" And he said, "I was afraid and hid myself." Right. This is separated. really there's a separation. From from communication with God, with God, mm-hmm. and then there was came the division, the separation in a sense. Even mm-hmm. though Adam and Eve were together, there was that from the suspicion, there was that blaming, alienation, mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. blaming, and then we we with hide. each other. We're trying to hide from God. What? Because He says, "I was afraid." Fear was introduced. He was afraid. He was going to get in trouble. He was afraid that. Well, he knew with shame had come in. Shame. The spirit of the demon, spirit of accusation, had come in and said to him, "You broke the rule. You, you, you're sin, you sinned. You're in trouble. God's mad at you. All those kind of things that shame and condemnation, accusation. See, the accuser of the brother and his whole job is to constantly make us feel on edge, unloved, in trouble, accused, condemned. Uh, and if and if he doesn't get us to to think it through ourselves and feel that way from within, he'll get plenty of people from the outside to come in and, and make accusation against you to try to shift you off that base of peace, peace and and rejoicing and knowing that you're loved. For example, again, back to Philippians, he says this is Philippians four. Really, should, this this was written. Um, under great duress, I believe Paul was in prison. He was in prison while he's writing this thing, yeah. and so he and was in a perfect place where he could be extremely anxious, upset. How did he get there? He had many bad things already happened to him, and he could have said, "Well, where's God? I don't know where God is. Why is he here? I, why am I here? You know, God really abandoned me. God doesn't love me." But he didn't have any of those attitudes at all. He says in Philippians four four, "Rejoice in the Lord always, always delight." gladden yourselves in him mm-hmm. and again i say rejoice so it's like always in, yeah and always rejoice in the everything Lord. you can't necessarily rejoice because you're in prison or just gotten beaten up yeah. those are things that say well mm-hmm. we don't we don't like those things mm-hmm. but he says you can always rejoice in the lord because mm-hmm. the lord is always with us he said he would never leave us he mm-hmm. never forsake us He's with us to the end of the age. And I think this is a tremendous source of peace, knowing that the Lord is with you. Even if you don't feel like he's yeah. with you, he's promised he's to be there. there. He he's doesn't there lie. by promise. He's there but by truth. See, when we rejoice in the midst of trials and tribulations, and right now this, we're all, if you want to look at it, that we're all in prison right now, whether you're running around free or not. This whole world, we're in prison to the, the God of this world who's setting it up for our demise but God is also setting it up for our deliverance. But rejoicing, because why can we rejoice? Why could Paul rejoice? Why could he be happy? Because he knew, he knew that he knew who he was. He knew he was loved. He knew what God had revealed to him, and God revealed many, many things to him. He knew he was not guilty. He had just, he had read and read and wrote Romans chapter 7. He knew the spiritual dynamics, the, the spiritual warfare paradigm of what, what he was up against. He knew that God was faithful. He knew that he was going to serve God because that's all he could do because he wanted to. And he was, you know, that was his heart. So he rejoiced in everything. I mean, this is really crazy hard to do sometimes. You rejoice when you just got slapped in the face. You rejoice when you just got ripped off. You rejoice when you just got cut from the team. You rejoice when you just, you know, you got set up and lied to and betrayed. You rejoice always in everything. Give thanks Um, We're coming right up on the time of thanksgiving and rejoicing. And he says then in verse 5, let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So in other words, don't take matters up into your own hands. Don't try to get even. Don't try to, you know, prove your point. Don't try to defend yourself. Don't try to, and and on the other side, don't tear yourself down. We are not our own judge. Paul says he didn't even judge his own self. And I think a lot of people become anxious because they're driven by perfection and performance and they allow a demon called self-judgment 
to come in and, and analyze them, scrutinize them, help them lie, to improve their lives by being more conscientious, more more perfect, more more uh, impeccable, so that they can be a, a move beyond human judgment so nobody can find any fault with them. But I promise you, if you move to that place of perfection where nobody can find any fault with you, then they'll flip and become jealous of you. So you still haven't won anything yeah, at all. Because we're being we're being judged by other people all the time. And who people, ma- people yeah. have their opinions of us. They might, you know, say that we're wonderful. They might flatter us or they might just cut us but down. But these people are insecure people because you know what? behind our backs. <clears throat> Perfect love casts off fear. The people yeah. who are judging you or you that is judging you, are still in a place of insecurity. You're not confident of who you are. You're easily knocked off your identity base because what are they saying about me? What are they doing? You don't know who you are. You, We need to know who we are in God, where we've come from, and our purpose here. Our purpose here is not to be win a popularity contest. Our purpose here is not to get everybody to love us. Our purpose is to love them. And that means a lot, a lot of times, the only way you can love someone is to really Forgive them for what you see them doing to you because the enemy has used them and uh, in, in, inhabited them, uh, to tempted them to come against you, to come against truth, to come against righteousness, come against Jesus Christ. And so we can become so quickly angry and offended and we have to go back to our, our, our power base. Our power base is peace, peace, knowing God's got this, knowing you're loved, knowing things are... Because if it isn't well with my soul inside then nothing will be well out there either. It doesn't matter what kind of, you can try to control your circumstances, find the perfect place to live, you know, get the perfect bank account, get the perfect this, everything, and you will still be driven and eaten up with anxiety inside if you're trying to make your your peace base um, built on what's going on out there. We cannot control what's going on out there at all. Only thing you control about what's going on out there is your attitude towards it. And that comes from your peace base, your base of peace, knowing that you're at peace with God, knowing you're not separated from God, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that God is with you even to the end of the age. And this is the the healthy people are the people who, and, and I know some very righteous people have been struck down with demonic attacks physically in their health and situationally. I know this because Satan won't miss a trick if he can get one in there. But the thing is, in everything, give thanks. No matter what test, no matter what trial you're going through, there are times when we know we're being tested and tried. But we also know that the outcome of that test belongs to the Lord God. And he actually is the one taking the test because Satan is testing God, seeing if God is able to keep you faithful to him, God, in and through this test. So really overcoming anxiety is is really, it's a whole, it's not just a matter of mind over matter, but it's a, a state it's a, of being. It's a state of being and it's a way of thinking. Is In other words, you think of when you're mm-hmm. rejoicing over something, you're just happy and rejoicing. Are you worried at that point? No. Well, you, you know, you but can, anxiety is like, like crouches at the door. He's trying to get in. Yeah. He's trying to, you know, attack you with a thought like, oh no, what if? And And so even though you're fine right this moment, there's that anxiety, that worry about what if, what if, what if down the road, mm-hmm. what if tomorrow, what if this, what if, that, what if we die, what if we well, get sick, what if, what if, <clears throat> and all these what ifs set up a, a mindset, a gauntlet of, of fear, and, and which, which Satan is trying to use. Here he's, what he's really trying to do is get our very weak and physically vulnerable bodies to go into the place of fear and terror and dread um, because and torment because um, then he can set up all of our systems, our chemical systems, our our electrical systems, all of our organs, all of our functions uh, to to dysfunction. And the only thing that is an antidote <clears throat> to that fear is perfect love. And perfect love is knowing you're not, number one, alone, knowing you're not going to die, knowing God is with you, God is your source and supply, that no matter people who can live that courageous life are courageous because they know things. They know that God is with them. They know he will never leave them or forsake them. And if your body is in torment right now and you're being divided, let's let's just say your immune system is set up in opposition to itself, it's because it's divided. You know, your body is not giving you full 100% cooperation protection through the immune system. The immune system has been confused and compromised because you've said to yourself or heard yourself saying or believe the lie that was spoken in through your mind that I am... Uh, I'm confused, I'm bad, I'm stupid, I'm no good, I'm never going to make it, I'm not loved, I'm alone. And then your body says, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. And your body then begins to send this desperate uh, panic uh, message uh, through your system 
to create an alert in all of the systems, which we could call hypervigilance or hyper being hyper alert. And then all of the, the glands begin to secrete the chemicals that are necessary for protection <clears throat> to uh, defeat an enemy. And these chemicals are very caustic if they stay in your system too long, like cortisol and histamine and um, adrenaline. And so many people are living with their adrenal glands totally burnt out. That means mm-hmm. they've spent, they can't, they, they don't have any more adrenaline. They have to take medication or supplements or something to build up their adrenal glands. But because it's being drained every day, every day, every day, and that adrenaline is not there for, to give you a high or to give you a rush or, or anything, it's there when it's, it's necessary to put a little extra boost in your step <clears throat> to get you to run, to flee from the bear or something like that. But when your systems are always on hypervigilant, hyper alert, because you're afraid, because why? Going back to f- torment. Why are we tormented? Because we are not feeling and knowing we're loved perfectly. We're not knowing that God cares for us perfectly and he's with us all the time. So therefore, we believe the lie. It's up to me. Up to me is the basic lie underneath witchcraft. I got to do it. I got to control it. And I got to take care of myself. And so this then puts lots of extra pressure on the body, which has no, uh, that's not even our job. It's not even your job to protect your life and make sure you stay alive. That's not even your job. Yes, we're supposed to be wise and obedient and eat the way God says to eat and, and do what he says. But the ultimate care of our soul and the, and, the, and the preservation of our life really ultimately comes down to the Lord God. Yeah, and, and there's so much is said these days about, you know, take control of your life, take yeah. control yeah. of your health, take control of your finances. So, okay. So we're at this place of that's a, we're, we want to okay I want to take control of this, but then things can be just the opposite way for well, us in our lives totally chaotic. The more you, the, t- you try to take control, the more the that more, doesn't ensure anything. That just gives more, you more anxiety. Well, the thing is, life is very uncertain, you know, and it's like some people are living. Oh no, what's going to happen next? You know. Okay, but so the, I like what you're saying. The take control. This is the message of the of the world. Yeah. The, the worldly system says you are what you do. Take control. It's your, your responsibility. It's your fault. It's your choice. Make a better choice. You didn't do that. Therefore, this bad thing happened. You can be on this hyper vigilant alert all the time. And you know, anxiety is a great motivator. And Satan uses anxiety uh, through everything, through advertising, through promoting his purchase of this and that. It, anxiety promotes uh, going to escapes. Uh, trying to run away from things. Um, anxiety is a, a motivator, as is in, injustice. And so, but the, the peace base, the base of peace that we need to stay on is the one here in Philippians. He says, um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's really all we can do. We have to say, God, you know, this is your problem. I, this situation, I, I yeah, you could say, well, it's my fault because I turned left and not right, and I, I bought this and not that, and I married her and not he, that, it, whatever. Whatever. You can t- go all day long looking for ways to, to Satan will look for ways to put, make you the fault, make you the blame, make you the guy who deserves to be punished. But the, the truth is, God knew from the foundation of the world how treacherous your life was going to be and what the devil would try to do to, 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 to frighten you, to terrify you. And so here we say, okay, God, here's my, here's my declaration. God, it's not my problem. I'm your problem. This is your problem. Keeping me alive is your problem. I'm not going to be anxious because there's nothing I can do. So by prayer, I'm going to say this. If I pray and I know, you know, a lot of people pray, oh, my goodness, prayer is such a thing. You know, we, we shoot our prayers up to heaven. We repeat the problem. We cry. We whine. We cut ourselves. We go ballistic. We, we, we've already started out on the wrong foot. When you're going to think that it's not going to be answered anyway, and I got to be, you know, whatever. I got to be, what? I got to be miserable, or I've got to be fearful. When you pray, the most important thing in your prayer is to know that God is hearing you, that God loves you, and he cares more about what you're asking about than you do, that God is in control, God is good, God is, God loves you. God wants to help you. God is not willing that any should perish. And we, he said, ask, seek, uh, knock. God wants to answer our prayers. And yet before we pray them, even before we pray, the very first stance we take in prayer usually is that I doubt if God's going to do anything about this. It's not going to work. He's not going to hear me. And so the devil's right there to, to push that prayer off onto a platform of doubt. 
And so, but he says, so if you can't, if you're afraid in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So cover your prayer, start it out with rejoicing and thanksgiving. I thank you, God, that you hear me always. I thank you, God, you're with me. And if you can't, it's almost, go to the Psalms, pray those prayers. A lot of the time, David was really down, really depressed, really chased, driven, not sure what was going to happen. Um, you know, his life was up for grabs, basically, for 30 years before he became king. Uh, and and uh, so what? what is he going to do? He's going to trust God, and that's that's the tr- the proving ground. So you're going to trust God. God was faithful. God is faithful. It says in the Bible, God is faithful to complete the work He's begun in us. It talks about you know with prayer and supplication. The thing is, God hears us. You know, if we ask according to His will, He hears us, and we really believe He wants us to call unto Him. Call unto me, Jeremiah said, and I will answer you. God says to Jeremiah, and I will. Show, show you, you great, great and mighty, mighty things, things that you know not. In other words, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give you mind-blowing answers. And so keep praying, mm-hmm. even though it seems like the answers aren't coming right now. Mm-hmm. Keep playing. Trust. Rest. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be okay for you, mm-hmm. you know. And and uh, so in everything, it says by prayer and petition. In other words, or prayer and supplication it means prayer. There's that communion with God. Prayer is not just giving God our want list, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, our, our to-do list for us. Uh, it, it's it's communication. It's hearing what he's saying to us. And, of course, he hears what we say to him. Mm-hmm. But then petition or supplication, it says in the Scripture there, uh, it's it's specific asking, mm-hmm. specific asking. and, and uh, Yeah, and I think a lot of times if you, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'm a little bit over the all over the place many times because I got lots of things going through my mind all the time. It's like a Grand Central Station, it's New Times Square, if you will, in a in a mental kind of way. But the thing is, that's not what God wants. God wants us to focus on Him, keep our hearts and minds stayed upon Him. So Satan wants to run all kinds of traffic through my mind, and a lot of times when we're like that, or we've got a lot of things to do, or very busy, or we got talk fast, whatever you know, like I'm doing right now. we, we, you know, you said to focus, specifically ask. I believe that that's important to focus and specifically ask, uh, finish the prayer, uh, be specific. But sometimes, I have to tell you, it's just easier to pray in tongues. It's just easier if you have the prayer language that the Holy Spirit, and you, by the way, everybody who's got the Holy Spirit's got the language. You just haven't let the Holy Spirit speak through you yet. That's probably the only problem. Just let him speak through you. He's got a language. He, and you know what? That prayer language um, some people call it praying in tongues, whatever. It, it, when I pray that way, um, it, it, there's no, my mind doesn't have to think about it. My soul's not involved. I don't have to come up with a specific ask list request. Uh, I just pray in tongues. And I know that, you know, we pray, like Paul says, you're praying to God and he, God hears and God understands. And so Satan sometimes is trying to mess up with my understanding, get me all tripped up inside my mind. And God just bypasses all of that with praying in tongues. And I really encourage all of you right now, as you yes. go forward from here on out, pray in tongues. If you have a situation that's crazy, out of control, don't know even how to pray, just begin to pray in tongues. And oh. if you don't pray in tongues yet, let the Holy Spirit pray for you and, and be surprised and be shocked and be pleased to know that the Holy Spirit has been wanting to pray f- through you for a long time. So, yeah. yeah. So sometimes we're trying, you know, trying to figure out how to, why, yeah, why, yeah, how yeah, do I yeah. pray? How to do yeah. it? Just hey, let let the Lord, well, yeah, let the Spirit wisdom. of God pray through you. It's and it, direct. Really, you. it's a perfect prayer. It's a, it it bypasses mm-hmm. your 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 thinking, your struggles, and mm-hmm. it just goes right to the throne of God. Mm-hmm. And it's very effective. James says that the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Much, right. So, uh, so back it, to the peace it, part of it. And let, me, let me just give you one thing here. Uh, in Psalm 34, for 4, it says, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're reading in Philippians um, four. chapter 4, by uh, prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. We'll talk about thanksgiving in just a bit, but prayer and petition. He says... Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all All my my fears. fears. Mm -hmm. So there is a matter of deliverance. deliverance. Mm -hmm. There is a work of God. It's not just, you know, some people try to 
deal with fears by, you know, false comforts, uh, escapism, entertainment, medication. Or lying to themselves. Denial. Try harder. Yoga. Take control. Trying to think positive thoughts, happy thoughts, all that kind of stuff. But they're It wears you out. It's all work. What, what, there is a deliverance. There is, a, there is an act of God that just frees us from the spirit from the of, fear. of fear. And there's a spirit, spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a spirit of fear. It's actually a demonic spirit. It's probably the basic bottom line spirit that controls and uh, everything, all the other spirits relate to it. Because and, where, and, and Paul said, told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. and if But if, of love, power, and a sound okay, mind. Right. So... If God, if God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, where is the spirit of well, fear? Well, we know from? where, you know, he says, he delivered me from all my fears. Set I me think, free I think from not, my we fears. need to realize that sometimes we're being tormented by demonic spirits, demonic spirits that have come into our minds, our hearts, our bodies to get their needs met. And part of their need is to divide us, destroy us. That's their assignment. And so they want to get us all revved up in anxiety and fear. And, you know, we don't recognize that as an entity or a spirit or a demon, something separate from us. We just recognize it is, as he says here, from all my fears. Um, Well, they appear to be your fears because they come into your mind and they present themselves as temptations to your your mind and your heart. And then from there they work, they go through your body to hit your adrenal system, to your adrenal glands, or they go after your heart, or they go after your um, your lungs, your, your, you know, it can be a spirit of fear of fear of this, fear of that, fear of death, fear of lack, fear of uh, uh, rejection, all kinds of fears. But whatever those fears are, you need to have the Lord show you what they are, because so many times they're so cling, they, they, they're like add-ons and cling-ons, they're like saran wrap, they, they, they are so tight to us that we cannot even separate them from us, but the sword of God's word can separate these spirits of fear, uh, anxiety, um, condemnation, uh, confusion, um, apprehension. Well, he, God's spirit can can make us understand. Holy Spirit says, "Whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! That's not you. That's not even that spirit of fear. Let's deal with it. Let's cast it out." But you know, most of us will not open our mouth to cast out any spirit of anything. I don't know why. I guess because we don't believe it is a spirit, and we don't believe it needs to be cast out, and we believe the lie that it is me. And it that's correct. It is me, but me is not you. You are an I am created by the great I am. Me is a reflection of you. Satan's trying to reflect back to you yourself. He is that reflection trying to impersonate you, to steal your um, your mind, your thoughts, and tempt you, test you, trick you into believing the things you're thinking are you, the things you're feeling are you, the things you're saying are you. And so you take responsibility for the things you do say, think, and feel when, in fact, you need to cast them out. Then you say, well, I did it. Yeah, well, why did you do it? You did it because you believed it was you. You believed it was your idea, your thought. I am depressed. I'm depressed is from where? Heaven or hell? It's not that complicated. There's only two kingdoms. It's not, there's not a kingdom of me. It's not just me. Well, it's not me. It's, it is depression is from hell. So when you say, I am depressed, you're agreeing with depression that you are giving place to depression. And you're saying, and he then burrows right in and takes over and makes all kinds of fearful thoughts. And, and by the way, depression is exhaustion. Exhaustion trying to set up, uh, resolve an irresolvable conflict. It's trying. You're trying to solve a problem where there is no solution to the problem. Because when you're dealing with devil, with the devil, the demons, they put you on a torture rack where you can't solve the problem. There's a catch twenty two. You go this way, you get caught. You go that way, you get caught. It's like you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of thing. That is a torture rack, and that's not where Jesus Christ has placed us. He says, "I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly." My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if you're in a place where it's not easy and it's heavy, then you're standing. You're being drawn, pulled apart, tormented by the torture rack or on the torture rack of Satan's irresolvable conflicts. So Satan says, you got to stay here. You got to figure this out. And Jesus says, come, come, follow me. Let's go feed the ducks. You don't have to do this. And that's really a relief when you say, you know, it's not my problem. It's God's problem. You are God's problem. All of these things that you're going through right now are God's problem and God's opportunity. God knew from the foundation of the world exactly where we'd be today and what the day would be. And thankfulness is so important. You know, it's amazing how much complaining there is. I mean, murmuring, complaining. Murmuring, yep, complaining. Yep. Oh, this isn't right. I don't like this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, you know, oh, I wish I had this and my car's too old and I need a new coat. Right, all this builds I mean, up. It's mm-hmm. like 
you you build up your put your, more stones your, in your backpack. It's like really to carry I through mean, life. In in, in Philippians chapter, I mean First Thessalonians chapter five, it mm-hmm. says, um, verse eighteen: "In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, Jesus for you." And uh, you know, in Psalm one hundred, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with what gladness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come before his presence with singing. Know mm-hmm. that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the, and sheep, the sheep of, of his, his pasture. pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts, into with, his praise. courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so thankfulness. I yeah. Mean, well, and Proverbs 15 and 17 say the same thing. A merry heart makes the cheerful countenance. Yeah. Uh, in in fifteen thirteen it says, A merry heart makes the cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. And there's another proverb that says, A broken spirit, who can bear it? You know, um, it's once your spirit is broken, it's it's you know, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And then Proverbs uh seventeen twenty two says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Mm-hmm. Um so again the what we're going through mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physically um, can sift, sift down or seep down into our very bones, into, in, into our spirits, to break our spirit and dry up our bones. So even your physical parts of your body, your bones, your, men, your, your organs, tissues, operations, neurological systems and functions can be affected by your mental, emotional condition, by the, the decisions you make to either go with fear and anxiety or go with thanksgiving and rejoicing. So you have really a choice there to go with thanksgiving and rejoicing, uh, but but it's really hard to be thankful for a lot of things when they don't seem like they're fair or they're right or they're good um, or that God is with me or that, mm-hmm. th- that God cares. So therefore, Satan is really tempting us on one simple thing, one simple thing that he's trying to do to split the peace base. The power base is peace is to make us believe that we are alone, that God is not with us, the separation between us and God. Right now and from here on out, we have got to know that we're tight with God and God's tight with us, that we're in this together, that God's got us. He is our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our our savior. He's our forgiver. He's our lover. He's our helper. Um, he's our friend. He's our he he's the God of escapes from death. Actually, that's what one of the, the, the verse in the Bible. He's God is the God is the God of escapes from death, and God Jesus says, "I am the way." So I'm really glad. You know, that's really kind of cool because a lot of times people say, "Well, I don't know what way to go. I don't know what to do. Should I do this or that? You know, if I do the wrong thing, God." Jesus says, "I'm the way. Just just walk in me. Follow me." And you say, "Well, I don't know if I'm following Jesus." Well, who's that? Is that the Holy Spirit saying that to you? I don't know if I'm following Jesus. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Is that the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit say, I don't know? Does Holy Spirit, is he confused? He's, he's there to, send, to lead us in all truth and triumph. He knows everything. And so Jesus is the way. He is, so if you need a way to go, walk in him, stay in him, abide in him. Yeah, you know, and this is a key, a key thing is to be, continue to trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. Even if it seems like all hell is breaking loose against mm-hmm. you and around you, right? That's I mean, cu- that's courage. That is that. Keep is your really eyes. Courage. It says, "What does it say? Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross." Keeping our eyes on Jesus—that's th- almost impossible too, unless you let the Holy Spirit say, "Holy Spirit, you got to do this for me. You got to keep my eyes on Jesus. You got to keep my heart." Um, with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And it says, uh, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. Well, I can't even do that. I can't even keep my mind on Jesus because there's so much crazy going on. So then I say, Holy Spirit, um, you're going to have to do this too. Yes. You're going to have to keep my mind um, in, your, in, in, in you and in your word. And you know, by the way, people, you're not going to survive this very well if you don't read the Bible. You just simply have to. And you can't just, um, you know, Pick a little moment here, a little moment there every four or five weeks. Open it up for a half, flip it open, read a verse, and then you read something that you can't understand and doesn't edify you and only makes you feel bad and condemned and God's mad at you, and then you shut it again for another three, four weeks. You cannot do that. 
It's like eating food. You can't eat a, a, a morsel every three, four weeks and expect to live, have any energy or life or vitality. Your body will dry up inside. The same with your soul and your spirit. You've got to feed it. And the Word of God is the Word of God, and He's good. And what's so cool about the Word of God is sometimes He really uh, just, you know, you open it up and He just nails it. You just, it comes alive. Whoa, God, you're talking to me. Whoa, God, you just heard what I said. Whoa, God, you're there. And so, but going back to Philippians, the peace of God which surpasses understanding, which means the peace of God goes beyond understanding. Your understanding says, oh, no, this could be really bad. You know, look at, look at the statistics, look at the, the, the chances, look at the this, the that. This could be really dangerous because danger is a big deal, a big issue out there. But you say the peace of God, God is bigger than anything. He's bigger than everything. He's bigger than all the things that would be trying to take you out. And it's interesting that in Philippians 4, 7, it says, and God's peace shall be yours. This is in the Amplified Bible. In other words, defining peace as that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ. So, fear, And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it'll watch over you, so the peace the of peace God. The peace of God is watching over you. One of God's attributes is peace. Uh, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He has overcome everything that you're facing right now, every accusation, every lie, every twisted, perverted, demonic uh, uh, situation yeah. that you've been tangled up into or drawn into or snared into. The Lord is your deliverer. He's your helper. He's your counselor. He's your. He's the faithful one. And so many times Satan wants to add like I just said, stones to our little backpack by getting us to, to complain, to murmur. And I tell you what, be really, if you want to be careful of anything, if you really want to watch and set a watch, set a watch over your mouth, that's what the Bible says in, in the Psalms, because uh, set a watch over my mouth, put a guard over your mouth, because if you put word, let words slip out of your mouth that are uh, negative, murmuring, complaining, doubtful, um, un, un, well, it's just going to be stones that Satan is going to use those things. It's never going to work. It's never going to go away. I'm doomed. Nothing ever changes. I've got cancer. Oh, no. I, All of these things, Satan wants you to just meditate on those things, think about those things, and then those things become the weight that, carry, that you put in your backpack as you try to walk through life. In verse 8 of Philippians, he says, 4.8, he says, Finally, brethren, at last, you know, wrap it up with this, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, this, this, is, how, this is how we're going to walk it out. You know, thinking on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. So, uh, you know, the, this is, is going to take a little... Uh, in, in a little uh, f- uh, focus, a little attention, a little um, determination to think on whatsoever things are true, so, because there's so much lies. Right. So, so where do we find this in a world that's deluging us with evil, well, negative things, where, and confusion, and counterfeits, work? and complicated, and yeah, right. and espionage, and and conspiracies. Where do we find it? Only where in we, God. Where do we Only find in God. the right thinking material? In the Word of God, okay. in the, in the Psalms, God. in the yep. Proverbs, in the Gospels, meditating on Jesus. By the way, did you know that it's a scientifically proven fact that whatever things you meditate on become part of your long-term memory bank? And when you start meditating on positive things, good things, hopeful things, things that are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report, that, that, you, that becomes the filter now through which you see things. Instead of the oh well, no, this is this is say that again. That's worth repeating. Okay, it so that whatever you things you meditate on uh, become part of your long term memory bank. So it becomes the lens through which you see 
the 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 current events or the future is through the the, the negative lens of, of criticism, bitterness, failure, condemnation. It's never going to work. Um, I hate myself, or or God is mad at me through that lens, or through the lens of God's got this. It's okay. I can rest in Him. He knows where I'm at. He said He'd never leave me. Um, I'm not alone. So when you're meditating on the truth, now the truth, right? Like you said, only comes through the Word of God. I have a lot of people. I do a lot of counseling. I have a lot of people who go to the the, the books, the written books, the self help books, supposedly written by sometimes Christians, and these books are garbage. All you, really seriously, you're feeding yourself garbage when you're trying to uh, get healthy, uh, because the books are a mixture of people's thinking and demonic notions and recommendations. Whether it's for uh, you know books on narcissism or books on abuse or books on violence or Asperger's or whatever it is that the, the world is trying to give you, you're hungry. You're hungry. Yes, you want to understand something. You want to figure something out. You're hungry, so you go eat in the in the slop trough where Satan feeds the world. And you're, and, 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 and he says, oh, oh, on this end of the slop trough, you know, when we had pigs, we called it the slop trough. Anyway, this end is for Christians, but there's no end of Satan's trough that is for Christians. It is always mixed with, with fear and, and, and judgment, condemnation, trying to figure it out, restlessness, anxiety, but what we need to know is the Word of God, seriously, people, it's not that complicated. But you will have to stay tight in the Word of God if you're going to walk with any kind of con- confidence or authority in, this, in these last days. Psalm 1, it says, verse 1 and, uh, through 3, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, the advice the opinions right. of mm-hmm. the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor on the wrong road, nor mm-hmm. sits in the seat of the scornful, the ones that are um, sarcastic and, uh, you know, critical. Bitter, unbelieving, bitter, doubt, unbelieving. Con- But condemning. his delight mm-hmm. is in the law of the Lord. This is the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day, day and, and night. night. And, and, and the word meditate means kind of like muttering, out loud to yourself. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're you're reinforcing uh, the truth yeah. within you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth his fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Shall and prosper. remember, what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. So that if you you are muttering to yourself, and what's coming out of your heart is. Uh, negative or critical or uh, full of hopelessness or uh, despair or doubt or unbelief or the unloving spirits or bitterness or uh, these kinds of things, that's what your heart is full of. And remember, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked who can know it. It also says God has given us a new heart. So this new heart is the heart that we get uh, when we meditate on the things of the Spirit of God. So when we're thinking on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, he says, um, he says, uh, um, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So we, we want to our minds to be transformed to be the mind of Christ, who thought, you know, when he was uh, conc- uh, concluding, deciding, determining, I don't know if he ever had this thought with himself, but that he would come down here and save us. He knew he, would go- he was going to have to become one of us. He's going to have to st- be stripped of his glory, you know, lay aside all of that, um, take and make himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men. He emptied himself out of all of his privileges um, to become one of us. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death and the cross so that we could be set free and saved. This is how serious that is, this really is, that the Son of God, God himself, had to come down here and die in our place because that's how lost we were, that the devil was not going to give up or give in or, or, or let go of anything he had gained unless there would be this um, wages of sin is death, death. But he had rigged it so that no one was able or their, their death did not qualify for anything. So it had to be someone who was sinless, someone who he wasn't in control of, someone who laid down their life willingly, which demonstrated love. So love had to be demonstrated here because love is the only thing, is the antidote for fear. Love is the most powerful thing. 
and but love is 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 not uh, it, it takes courage to to wield the weapon of love romans five six uh through eight um for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for what Us. the ungodly, mm-hmm. not for the righteous. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're not going to have peace. The Bible says there's, there's no peace for the wicked. Mm-hmm. The wicked are like the troubled sea that mm-hmm. cast mm-hmm. up dirt and mire. Mm-hmm. There's no peace to the wicked. So, so really... Coming out of that, if, if we're going to, you know, attempting to live our lives mm-hmm. without connecting with Jesus Christ, it, it's going to be turmoil. It's going to be frustration. It's going to be anxiety. Well, actually, the. But here he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, mm-hmm. we have peace with, with God, God through our, through our Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. So, Amen. so the thing is, too, if you're not getting along with God. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get along with yourself. You're not going to yeah. get along with other people. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the key right there is that 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 separation. That's what creates the anxiety. And um, I know we haven't gotten to it this week, but we will next week. The Lord willing, talk about the spiritual root causes of physical diseases, and they all come through fear, stress, and anxiety, basically. Um, and so we're going to talk talk then about how these things promote those very uh, diagnoses and things that we. Um, that we have at our dispo that, that come attacking us. But going back for a minute to the things, the thinking and whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just and of good report and meditating on these things, meditating on the good things. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge because the people around you, a lot of them, if you'll notice, you'll start to notice as you walk through your day, there are people who complain, people who are negative, people who are fearful, people who are murmuring, people who are judging other people, people who are not adding to um, the lovely, uh, hopeful, you know, bouquet of flowers that you're picking, you know, of truth, justice, things that are not righteous, good. But bless them, forgive them. I mean, there's a lot of people that are operating right now under the counsel of fear, under the counsel of anxiety and greed and covetousness and selfishness, and jealousy, and witchcraft, and wickedness, and confusion. They're all operating under the spirit of fear. And they're doing what they can to try to make sure they survive. And a lot of them are cheating. They're cheating. They're hurting other people. They're stealing from other people, taking from those people what they need so that they can be okay. And that's very frustrating because it's injustice, and we all hate injustice because we're made by God to hate things that are not just. Just as God hates injustice, we also hate things that are not right and fair. As a matter of fact, we're born with that because by the time we're two years old, we can start to say, three years old, that's not fair. She's got a bigger cookie than I do. She got more than I did. So the thing is, this is an innate uh, ability to understand, to recognize what is just and so the world is full of injustice and, and no shock to that because the God of this world is Satan himself. And, and we don't, you know, really, seriously, this is not our home. And actually, if you really understand what's going on here, the only way you can get free from the citizenship of this world and the dominion of Satan is to come to Jesus, accept his death, participate in his death, and die with him. So when we die with him, we're now dead and we're no longer citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven. We have authority there. We're just simply ambassadors here on this planet to do the will of God. But we, our home is in heaven. Our, our, you know, our, our, our support system, our support base is in heaven. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us, to lead us, to stay with us um, as we journey through this, this place of devastation. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, says there, the last part of that verse, he says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. And then there's another verse, I don't know where it is right now, it says, godliness with contentment is, is, great, is, gain. is great gain. So this is another issue where anxiety can be stirred up tremendously, is that lack of contentment, lack of, of thanksgiving again. Um, thinking, I deserve, you know, expectations. I had, I had hoped that it would be this, that, and the other thing, and I didn't get this, and so now I'm not content, I'm mad, and I'm upset. It's well, not it's, fair. It's like, you know, our whole system, our economic system, 
stirs us to be discontent. Right. We're discontented with what we have, so mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. to have this yeah, device. Yeah. You have yeah. to have the next new phone. You have to have yeah. this car. You have to have this, this device. You this, have to have this, this gadget. This, this, this new this, outfit. This, Arctic, this new outfit, yeah. all that But stuff. you see, the thing is, is, it's funny. I will go into, I will look through the shopper. Uh, I I'll walk through the store and say, look at all the things I don't need. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave probably buying only one little thing that I had to have. But anyway, Paul says here, as he goes on, he's very cool. Paul is sitting in jail writing this, by the way, guys. If he had anything, anybody had any right to be complaining or fearful or anxious, it would have been him. But you notice him and Peter when they were in jail and Silas and those guys, they didn't really, they were almost like oblivious to the fact that this was could be a real problem. They were, they were just not even there. And they were somewhere else. They were singing praises to God. But anyway, Paul says in the next verse, um, to, he says, I've learned in verse 11, uh, I do not speak in regard to need, not saying I don't have needs, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content, whether I have a need or not. I know how to be a base. I, that means I know to be how to be put down, kicked aside, uh, disgruntled, disqualified, uh, talked about, excommunicated, exed uh, out of the deal. I know how to be a base. And I know how to abound. I know how to be praised. I know how to be praised and thanked and, and loved. But he says, everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, it doesn't really matter. He's learned that it doesn't really matter if you're hungry or not, if you're full or not, if they loved you or not, if they gave you, if they paid you the right amount or not. You know, you say, well, that's just ridiculous. You're going to let everybody just walk over. You're going to be a doormat. Well, you know what? God is your defender, and you're not a doormat if you know who you are, and you know who you are. Their, their little tricks and antics and dis- injustices are not going to have the power to pull you off your peace base, your base of peace. The power base for the Christian is a base of peace. Peace. He says, And then he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared with me in my distress. He's saying, yeah, but I'm, ha- I'm happy that you guys were compassionate, that you gave me money, that you took, care- took me in. He says in verse 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, this is in the Bible. You can say to God, God, your word says that you're going to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory, and you're very rich. You've got it all. You've got all that I need. So therefore, I'm going to trust you, expect you, because you love me, and because I love you, and because I belong to you, and because um, Jesus is my Savior, and he died to get me, um, to purchase for me everything I need. I am going to believe you, God, that you can do this for me, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The other flip side of that coin is, I can of my own self do nothing. That's what Jesus said. So you've got the coin of, of who, the, this, this truth coin says, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me, and without him I can do nothing. Um, I can of my own self do nothing. And Jesus Christ said that. So he was saying that of him, his own self. He had to have the connection power uh, of the Almighty God to pull off what he needed to pull off. And if you meditate ever on what Jesus had to go through to do all this, it's quite amazing, the shock of his love and his determination, his courage and bravery to go through this for us. First uh, Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. For we brought nothing into this world and are certain we can carry nothing out. Okay? Yeah. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation mm-hmm. and a snare into many foolish and harmful lusts mm-hmm. which drown men in destruction and perdition. Mm-hmm. For love of money is root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and right. pierced themselves through with many sorrow, sorrows because there's a, there's a greed. Yeah. There's a greediness that really troubles us. The Bible says... In, well, the, it comes uh, from injustice. It comes from right. need. It comes from anxiety. It comes from fear. It comes from fear of lack. But again, I just have to wrap up with one thing, going back to this think on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. Really seriously take an inventory of your mind. Listen to your mouth. And, and sometimes it's good to speak because you don't really know what's in your heart until you speak. But if you hear something coming out of there that is not just, not, it's not good, it's not pure, it's not edifying, um, then switch it out. Say, no, you're not. I'm not going to give place to the devil. I'm not going to let Satan use my mouth to curse me. No way. And so... Um, lovely things, pure things, and people who are unjust and, and dis, uh, treating you wrong, the best thing you can do for them and for yourself, the best thing you do for yourself and them is to forgive them. Turn the crimes they've committed against you through their mouths, through their injustice, through the uh, 
deceit, whatever, over to God and let God be the judge because then you can be the plaintiff. You can't be the plaintiff if you're going to be the judge. So you're going to let things be praiseworthy, virtuous. Think on these things. Think on the pleasant things and and train by the Holy Spirit. Just let your mouth be trained to be a weapon for righteousness, not a weapon that Satan can use against you because you give him all these darts to throw back at you through negativity. The thing to remember, he was 13, 5, and 6. I will never leave you nor forsake you Mm -hmm. so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? me?" Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, he said, Lo, I am with you always, always even, even to, to the, the end, end of the age. age. So, Father, this is our promise. This is our hope that you are with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. That perfect love keeps the, the spirit of anxiety and fear away. Lord God, I pray today that as you've caused people to listen, that they'd be encouraged that you would speak to their heart, Holy Spirit. There's many, many things we've said today. Draw out of these conversations what you want them to remember and that they will not, those things will not be snatched out of their mind. Confusion will not block them. Doubt and fear and hopelessness will, and despair will not bind them up and tie them in a knot. That they will be delivered, healed, set free, rejoice uh, that this spirit of heaviness, the spirit of fear, spirit of anxiety will be cast off of them, Father God, even by your holiness, by your goodness, by your mercy, by your your heart that these people will be set free and you will walk in the place of favor and blessing in Jesus name. Amen. Join us next week for a look at how anxiety affects our physical health. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.